I'm going to invite Hannah Graham, who is going to continue our preaching series. Hannah, why don't you come up and I'm going to pray for you. Why don't we all um, just prepare our hearts. Let's pray uh, as we get ready to receive the word of God this morning. Father, I thank you for Hannah. Lord, I thank you for who she is among us. Um, A wonderful leader, uh, a lover of people, a lover of you, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd speak so wonderfully through her this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd bless her. Uh, Lord, that your spirit would um, be reassuring her and speaking through her as she opens her mouth and opens your, your word, scripture this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So good to be with you this morning um, and meet together. We're going to be talking about God is compassionate. But before I share, I just had a couple of words of knowledge, actually, as I was preparing this preach. I just want to share those. Um, and uh, yeah, if you feel God speaking to you about that through the service, then I'd encourage you to just ask him about it. So here's the first one. I feel like uh, God was showing me that it's been a long time since some of us have got real with God about a few things that we find difficult in our lives. And it's almost like it's not worth bothering God about. Actually, that lies formed a root, which is getting in the way of how you perceive God. And it's actually denying his sovereignty over your situations. And I think God is just um, calling you to him. You might need some repentance there. Um, and just to receive his compassion today, know that he's, he's really interested in the detail of your life. The second one was, um, I feel like God was speaking to me about the prodigal son a lot when I was preparing this preach. I don't talk about the prodigal son in this preach, but God is speaking to me a lot about that. I feel like there's someone here or a couple of people here that uh, they feel like they've got a prodigal son or prodigal daughter who've fallen away from from the Lord and their, their situation is really desperate, like really pains your heart. God wants to bring his comfort and compassion to you today. And he wants to talk to you about this specific situation. So, yeah, should we pray? Yeah, Lord, thank you that you're such a compassionate God, that you love us and that you are, you're so interested in the detail of our lives. Lord, I pray you help me to uh, have the words to say this morning. And, yeah, I just want to give this, this talk to you. Um, help us to, to know your compassion in a deeper way and go away from here changed as you meet with us today. Amen. Today, yeah, we're continuing our series on God is, uh, looking at attributes of, of God and who he is, and the focus today is God is compassionate. Now, I don't know if you're a bit like me, but I love renovation programs. Um, I enjoy the repair shop, love that program. And, uh, but there's one that I love that I find particularly hard to watch due to its deep display of human compassion, and that's DIY SOS. Don't know if you've seen it. Been on since 1999, apparently. But if, you may have seen it, but if you've not, it's basically where a team go in to renovate and transform homes for people in really difficult circumstances. They ask for help or they're nominated uh, and they might have something like a disability, they might have lost their job, uh, come under just really, really hard circumstances. But the home is no longer a great place to live. It's really restrictive and yeah, they're just not happy in their home. So a team go in, and, and as the programme goes on, it's like more and more people just sort of come out of the woodwork to help. 
Uh, companies donate materials. People just come and bring their skills. Um, you have free stuff. You know, they fit uh, lifts, wet rooms, and they build extensions. And uh, it's almost like all these people that come out, they're kind of drawn to, to the brokenness of what's going on. And they just, they're like, I can do something. I can help these people. I can fix their homes. But what also strikes me is the humility of the people in need. Um, they're often really, really acutely aware of their inability to fix their home and their lives. And they, yeah, they can't do that in their own strength. But at the end, they move back into their home and they thank everyone that's helped. Um, but the ones they've helped, they like they line the streets. There's loads and loads of people and they applaud them. Um, that's usually the, the bit where I crack and me and Paul are just a sobbing mess <laughs> watching this programme thinking, why are we watching this? But I think, I think in a similar way, actually, God is moved in compassion to our weakness and, and it, our sin because he knows he has the perfect skills um, to help us and renovate our broken lives. In his book, Gentle and Lowly, I don't know if you've read this, I really encourage you to get this book. It's absolutely beautiful. It's called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. It talks a lot about God's compassion and his heart. And uh, Dane Ortland notices this about Jesus. He says, The culminative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Christ sees the fallenness of the world around him, his deepest impulse is to move towards that sin and suffering and not away from it. We see God's compassionate nature as a thread woven through the entire Bible. And in this talk, we're going to explore God's maternal heart for us, how Jesus models compassion and is drawn to sin and our response to it. So what is compassion? Well, compassion um, is a feeling that arises when we're confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to act and relieve it. It's being moved by another situation in our emotions, in our pity, and in sympathy and love. In the Bible, the Greek translation of the word compassion means to co-suffer um, and suffer together. And, and we're going we're gonna, to um, look more at that definition and how it shapes our view of God as we go through this, this talk this morning. As we've gone through this series, we've seen how, as humans, we have a tendency to try and understand God through human contexts and human lenses, based on our own experiences and what we see in the world. And, and it's the same with compassion. Yet our, our perception of compassion will never, never match up with God's. For as well as being ultimate judge, power and authority, as well as hating sin being holy and not like us, God is tender and conveys deep compassion, which extends to all his people, his creation, no matter what they've done, who they are. So how we think of God matters. God is a loving father. One of the closest ways God conveys this is through the relationship with parents and children. Throughout the Old Testament, we see a loving father calling Israel his people, back to him, showing great compassion and patience despite their consistent rejection of him. And the language used is often motherly and fatherly. We can read that in the Psalms. In Isaiah 49, 15 to 17, God says, 
Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion for the child she, she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. I'm a mum of two girls, Chloe's here and Martha, they're 11 and 8, and uh, my love for them is sometimes sacrificial. <laughs> um, sometimes, you know, as toddlers, you don't get a lot back, you're just giving and giving and you have a screaming child sometimes, but, but if my daughters are in need, if they hurt themselves or sad, or they're treated unjustly, which I really hate, um, I'll do anything I can to help them. Um, I'm driven out of this, like, deep love. It's like a mama bear rises up. (laughs) Some of you might be familiar with that. Um, But there's compassion there. Um, And God says, even if they do. So he's talking about, yeah, mothers that, you know, might forget. So he's saying that that's a possibility. People are fallible. Um, God's intense compassion is greater than even the greatest mother. That's phenomenal, isn't it? It might be helpful to mention here that I recognise that not everyone's experience of motherly and fatherly love is the same. And some of us may struggle with this perception of God due to this. But we've mentioned before that our human experiences can affect how we think of God. And in these times, it can be just so helpful to ask God uh, to show you, for him to show you how, how he is a compassionate father and open your eyes to that aspect of his nature. Within the Bible, Jesus is moved in compassion for people. The language used helps us understand the nature of this love. And we read about Jesus being moved by compassion in the Gospels to feed the hungry, uh, to heal the sick and to comfort those who wept. The Greek word for compassion is physically emotive, uh, referring literally to the, the bowels or the guts of a person. It's a real deep physical response um, in the innermost core of a person, like their deepest heart. Imagine it like that, you know, oh, moved. God's moved like that for us. The heart in biblical terms is also not referring to like the part of who we are, but the entire centre of who we are as well. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, uh, it offers us a rare window into the very core of who God is, his heart. This is stunning. Let's read this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe just close your eyes. I'm going to read that again. Let's just just listen to Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary or labour and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Jesus. Here we see the call of God again to his people. That's, that's us. And his compassion for those who are weary or labour, work. In Bible terms, uh, in times, this also meant those oppressed by religious legalism. The yoke he refers to is, is like agricultural reference to a heavy wooden bar that was placed over ox as um, yeah, they were ploughing through the field. That would have been really hard work. 
But here Jesus says his yoke is light and easy and non-yoke. It's a non-burden. It is through him that we find rest, real rest, which is peace with God in our soul. I think, I think there's some here today, some of us feel a pressure that's not theirs to carry. Jesus is inviting you now to surrender that to him. You may wish to repent of something you're carrying. If you're carrying it alone and you've not believed, he can actually carry that for you. This is a mindset that God's actually wanting to change today. The most beautiful aspect of this verse is what God says about his heart, the core and motivator of himself. God, who is wholly entitled to show his wrath against sin, chooses not to because he cares so deeply for his people. The central aspect of God's holiness is this gentle and lowly heart. Gentle meaning meek and humble, and lowly, which overlaps with gentle meaning humble and accessible. Jesus is accessible. He does not discriminate. He begins with, come to me. He appeals to us and gives direct instructions, for he knows he is the one we need to give him us rest. It can be so easy to satisfy our needs by ourselves, keeping busy, pushing through, pretending we're okay, believing lies, like God is too busy for us, he wouldn't be bothered with our lives, or we simply aren't good enough to approach him. Or perhaps sometimes we make choices that say we don't need God at all. Yet Jesus stands here, here today, with hands held out to each of us, knowing he is the only one who will be able to give us peace with God and rest for our souls. Ultimate rest to fill the hole all humanity really desires to fill. Will you take his hands, how doubt and compassion to you today? Trust him with your burdens and ask him for help. It's when we allow him access to our deepest, most vulnerable places that the true nature of God's compassion changes our lives. It's really powerful. The nature of Jesus' compassion for people is compelling, isn't it? You read it in, in the Gospels. We see it come in waves through the Gospels. Jesus is drawn to people. People are drawn to Jesus. Often you see them begging for help and asking for things like healing. In Matthew 9:36, we read, He saw crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Jesus especially sought out those whom society would not. He is driven by compassion to speak to women. In that day, that was really, did not happen. <laughs> um, men didn't really speak to women the way Jesus does. He touched those with skin conditions that society shunned. He fed thousands of hungry people, regularly healed the weak and sickly, raised the dead and, and taught people. Wow. We read that the very plight of Jesus moves Jesus to tears. Twice we are told that Jesus weeps for others, for Jerusalem, and when his friend Lazarus dies. Both times this emotional response is to the grief of others. Now I just feel moved when I'm reading this because Jesus is so beautiful. We can know that Jesus is moved by our tears. If there are things that have brought you to tears this week, 
there is one who weeps with you. I can feel um, the Holy Spirit's presence in the room now. Just wants to come and comfort people, especially if you've had a really rubbish week and you've been crying. This response of Christ weeping for us is profound. God incarnate weeping because his heart is moved by human despair. Jesus was on his way to raise Lazarus from the dead and he knew all this, yet he still wept. Why is this? The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus sympathises with us in our weakness because he himself was tempted and suffered in every way, just as we are, and he understands how that feels. In Christ, we have one who is fully God and fully human, who actually suffers with us and feels our pain. Jesus was homeless, poor, mocked, tempted, abandoned, judged, abused, tortured and horrifically killed. This, though saddening to read, should ultimately bring us great, great comfort, though, because Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. If you're struggling this morning, maybe you're in physical pain, take hope, because there is one who co-suffers with you and longs to be close to you. And the co-suffering of Christ does something, it strengthens us, because it shows us Jesus stands in solidarity with us, and we can trust that he understands, and this, this should change us. Now, I felt like this a few weeks ago. I, I care for my dad, um, and I was with him in his home, and I was washing his feet. And... Um, in that moment, I felt the closeness of Jesus because I was just reminded about when Jesus washed people's feet. And we had that in a sermon, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, talking about how disgusting those feet were. My, my dad's weren't as bad as that. But, you know, I just felt in that moment, Jesus, Jesus washed people's feet. Oh my goodness, Jesus knows what it's like. And I felt such a strengthening and I felt such a love from Jesus. He knows what it's like. And I was thinking like, if some of, some of you guys care for parents or have cared for parents in the past just to encourage you that God really does see that beautiful expression of of love that you've done with that and yeah that he loves you and he, he really deeply cares in the hiding place by Corrie ten Boone this is my favorite book awesome book. Um, we see this again. Corrie and her sister Betsy were persecuted Jews during World War II, and they speak of their time in a concentration camp, uh, standing in line for medical with no clothes on to warm their body. And Corrie remembers Christ as co-sufferer and is strengthened. I just want to read you this passage. I had not known I had not thought the paintings, the crucifixes showed at least a... Oh, hold on, no, I've gone too far. Start again. <laughs> but it was, it was one of those mornings while we were waiting, shivering in the corridor that yet another passage in the Bible leapt into life for me. He hung naked on the cross. I had not known, I had not thought. The paintings, the carved crucifixes showed at, the, at least a scrap of cloth. But this... I suddenly knew was the respected and reverence of the artist. But oh, at the time itself, on that other Friday morning, there had been no reverence. No more than I saw in the faces around us now. I leaned towards Betsy ahead of me in line. Her shoulder blade stood out sharp and thin beneath her blue mottled skin. Betsy, they took his clothes too. Ahead of me, I heard a little gasp. 
Oh, Corrie, and I never thanked him. I find that so powerful, that they were strengthened in that like terrible position, knowing that Jesus didn't have any clothes either. Wow. In um, Hebrews 2.18, it explains to us that because Christ himself suffered and he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus' desire is to help us in our suffering, but also in our sin. And I think this is where we can be really challenged. I think it can be easier to understand compassion towards people suffering injustices like Betsy and Corrie. Yet how do we feel about a criminal who has done unspeakable harm to others? Um, It's really human to wrestle with this stuff. Jonah wrestles with this in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. God told Jonah to take his mercy message to the great city of Nineveh. And the people here were a really nasty lot. Uh, They were known for evil doing and atrocious crimes. God said that they were to repent of their sins and be rescued or be destroyed. But Jonah Jonah couldn't do it. Uh, In his eyes, they just simply didn't deserve it. They were also an enemy to Israel. And, you know, yeah, he just didn't feel that they deserved that. But God's compassion for his people is powerful and unstoppable. And it's after Jonah nearly dies running away from God that he relents and he goes on. Yet still Jonah cannot shake off the outrageous nature of God's compassion. It, can't, it eats him up. And he's at a point where he'd rather die than stay alive any longer. And he blames God. You can almost hear him shouting at God. He's saying, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And as he awaits death in a hot, dusty desert, God provides a plant to shade him and then a worm to eat the plant. And Jonah was pleased with the plant, but he was sad when the worm destroyed it. And God said this to him, You have been concerned about this plant that you did not tend tend it or make it grow. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. God is gracious and compassionate to those we deem unworthy, and we're not to get in his way. Do you have levels of compassion? Do we feel some deserve it and others don't? The fact is none of us deserve it. We don't deserve his mercy, but he's gracious and he's not like us. Let's not get consumed by it as Jonah was, but let's embrace it and celebrate it. God's compassion goes hand in hand with forgiveness. Once the message was delivered to to repent, to turn from sin or be destroyed, Nineveh had a choice and they took God at his word. They chose to cry out in repentance to God and God saved them. They took this seriously. The king fasted. Uh, They fasted water, which you know that's really serious in the Bible when they fast water and food. The whole nation um, sat in sackcloth and dust and then they received God's mercy. Incredible, considering where they'd come from and where they went to. God just did a massive work there in their hearts. So God takes sin seriously Yes, but there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He is looking for a repentant heart. I think the greatest compassion I've ever received 
uh, was when God saved me when I was 26 years old. I was really caught in a cycle of sin and I was desperate and I cried out to God. God showed me the weight of my sin and brought a conviction in the most sensitive way, which gave me dignity to feel able to take his hands and trust him. If you follow Jesus today, you too are a walking, talking testimony of his great compassion. You'll have your own stories and I think it's, it's really important to remember them, where we've come from. So how should we respond to such compassion? Jesus tells us to clothe ourselves in love, to, to wear it and love one another as he loves us. We're to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, Christ um, forgave us. I just want to take a moment to, to really affirm you guys, actually, because I've been part of this church for about 11 years now, and I have seen such amazing demonstrations of, of love, which is a real godly love. So I don't know if Jess and Jan are here today. I can't actually see them. But um, Jess and Jan will do anything to help anyone. They are so sacrificially like loving people. It's phenomenal. And I've noticed um, such concern and love from others through some of the older generation in the church. There's people like Gordon and, and Jean who just ask people, how are you doing? And take that time just to know how you are. It's, it's beautiful. I've seen people forgive others and work through forgiveness with God in such a beautiful way. But Jesus also calls us to care for the vulnerable, especially the poor the widows and orphans. Are we thinking about these vulnerable groups that Jesus pays special attention to? Loving others should flow out of our very DNA as those who are adored by Christ, knowing we receive undeserved compassion from him and forgive, forgiveness of sins. Everything that we do, say and touch, should be fragranced with that. So I'm just going to end with Jesus now. Best place. Jesus never came to wipe our face in the dirt and lord it over us. He comes to wipe away our tears and rescue us. He never comes to wipe our face in the dirt and lord it over us. He comes to wipe away our tears and rescue us. He longs to do a restorative and redemptive work in our lives. Before his ascension, Jesus told his followers he'd never leave them alone. He sent a helper to them, to anyone who believes in Jesus. The Holy Spirit was sent by God as God himself to live within us. The Holy Spirit, or paraclete in Greek, translates to advocate, counsellor, helper. What a compassionate God we have that ensures we are never left on our own. Do you feel on your own today? There is one who promises to always be with you. And through the Holy Spirit, we experience the deep compassion of God that he has for us. And he gives us that compassion for others as well. We receive it and then we can feel it for others too. As we look to the cross, we witness the greatest act of compassion the world has ever seen. Christ dying in our place, taking on all our sin and pardoning us so that we might have peace with God and be called children of God. In the agony of death, Jesus never falters in his compassion towards humans, both those who repent. So we see the thief on the cross and he repents, doesn't he? But then there's ones that don't. 
As the soldiers cast lots for his clothes, he utters the most beautiful words. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. How can someone do that when they're dying like that? If you don't know Jesus today and the nature of God's compassion provokes you, know that Jesus holds out his hands to you to receive his forgiveness and love. He is drawn to you. There's nothing that will ever make him recoil. There is no sin too great. And he offers you a lifeline because he cares for you. Beloved, let's not splash around, drowning when the author of life throws us a lifeline. The way to this peace with God is through the Son, through Jesus, and accepting him into your life today. If you want to invite Jesus into your life today, I think we'll have, have a moment afterwards where we would love to pray with you, myself, Phil, Paul, Luke and Beth. Yeah, or find somebody that you've come with and, and we'd love to lead you through a prayer of accepting Jesus into your life today. And if you do know Jesus, his position is the same. The lifeline's still on offer. It's always on offer. He calls us to cast our anxiety on him because he cares. He knocks on the door of our messy, inadequate lives, waiting for us to open up. For he is willing to come in, in love, and do a redemptive work. Just love to end in prayer. If you want to close your eyes. I'm just going to read Hebrews 4.15. Jesus, thank you for your amazing compassion Help us to open our hearts to you today and receive it in those most vulnerable places that we've maybe closed the door. Jesus, thank you that you work your glory in those messy places. Lord Jesus, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Help us, Lord, to love others as you love us, out of compassion that just moves us. Yeah, thank you, Jesus.